Hey everybody, Joe here from Modern Heathen Man. I want to welcome you to the next episode of Modern Heathen Man. I'm here with Kelly today, my wife. Hello. And we're going to do a different format today. Um, occasionally I receive questions from people that want me to answer questions for them. Um, this question comes from a student. Excuse me, a series of questions comes from a student who'd like to know some things about Asatru. So I offered to answer them for him, and I promised to get them to him by Friday. So without any further ado, grab yourself a horn, grab yourself a cup, grab yourself some mead, grab yourself some coffee, soda, or whatever you like to drink. Sit back. We've got some water here. And join us for Modern Heathen Man. So Kelly's going to go ahead and read off the question, and then I'm going to answer it. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Yep. Make sure you say it loud enough that they can hear you. Okay. Question number one. What is the most significant tradition within your religion? So within our religion, the most significant tradition we have is called a bloat. Originally, it was a blood offering of some type or an offering in general to either a specific deity or number of deities or ancestors or Einherjar, which are fallen warriors, warriors, kinsmen, whatever you want to call them, right? So that is the most sacred tradition that we have is our bloat. That happens quite a few times a year. And you can have a bloat at your home. You can have a bloat in the public. Or you can have a bloat with your kindred. But each time the bloat is sacred. Um, other than that, there's a few other things that go on in our religion. But nothing as sacred as the bloat and the offering during the bloat. Okay. Number two. Does your religion rely on any sort of holy text? Our religion is a religion of learning. I wouldn't say holy text in the sense that people revere the Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, or the, the, Torah. the Torah, or the writings of religious leaders, in a sense. Um, but we do rely on writings, which are the Eddas, the Poetic Edda, and the Prose Edda. We rely on the sagas of our ancestors, the things that they wrote down to teach us about life and the stories of them and their doings. And the Havamal, which is a part of the uh, Prosetta. Right. Prosetta. So that is the writings that we use within our religion. They're not holy in the sense like a Bible is holy or revered like that. But they are used for us to understand the gods, understand the ancestors, and those that have gone before us and to help us through things in our life. And they're also the guidelines which we try to live our lives by. Right. Um, it, it's Odin's, the, the Havmal is Odin's wisdom to the world. Yeah, in different so, portions from different spells to just how to live your life. Daily. And how to deal with others and how to, how to be a good human, basically. Right, correct. Okay. okay. Number three, what difficulties do you encounter with practicing your religion today? So today we have a couple of different, I don't want to say they're obstacles, because I don't truly believe in obstacles stopping you from anything. I mean, theoretically, you can walk over Mount Everest if you had enough steps and enough time. But in the sense of obstacles or things that we face in our religion consistently, one of those things is the use of our symbols incorrectly to mean racist things or anti things or stuff of that nature and for that point i will give you the swastika 
and the SS symbol. Now, the SS symbol itself is not one of our symbols. It takes one of our runes, which is Seigel, and puts it twice, and it stands for protection or lightning or whatever you want to look at it as, and it's used improperly, and it stands for something that's not what we believe in. Same thing with the swastika. Originally, this was the symbol for the Wheel of the Year or um, some stuff with Odin, but it was taken and used for something that is not good and is not right in this world. So we face those things, other groups that take our religion and make it theirs, make it something that they believe is only applicable to them and not to anyone else, and a closed end um, universe for them, instead of opening it to everyone and allowing everyone to find themselves to be welcome to it. So sometimes the symbols that we wear, like the hammer or tattoos that we have or other symbols that we may have on us, are taken the wrong way by people, and they just don't know that we're not those type of people, that we're the other type that are the good type. So we face that daily. Um, that kind of goes along with the next question. What kind of controversy has your religion run into? My religion's run into quite a bit of controversy. Um, first of all, the, the biggest thing is they call us Vikings. We're not Vikings. Vikings pillaged, raped, took what they wanted. It would be like calling every American a Marine or some type of thing like that. That was the warring faction of the Norse people. Most of the Norse people were farmers who believed in living close to the land and close to nature. Um, with that said, the Vikings did take over portions of the world and bring that religion with them. And it was their religion, but not in the sense that we believed in destroying things or taking over people and doing that type of thing. Um, with that said, so, you know, these are the things that people look at today and see us as those rather than just regular people who live close to nature, close to the cycles of nature and close to the cycles of the earth itself. How do you feel about modern descriptions of Asatru ideas in pop culture? You know, I look at the stuff that goes in with Marvel, and in a way I like it, in a way I don't. The sense that I like it is it's brought our religion to the forefront and has opened the door to a lot of people to allow them into this religion and to start following this path because it's something that they feel at home with and um, easy to understand. I look at Vikings and look at the things all on TV now, and I think it portrays an idea of us. And those people take that idea specifically and they run with it. And that's not the truth. To be honest with you, the religion we have and the path we're on is a path of learning. It's a path of understanding. It's a path of consistently looking within yourself and making yourself better consistently looking at your fellow man and trying to do more for them than you do for yourself on a daily basis. And to understand that people are people and we treat them nice just because they're people and we know what it's like to be where they are. Um, with that said, the portrayal that they have for all the new stuff coming out is more of a comic book fun type of thing. And all those things have a place in the world. And I'm not saying they're bad in any way, shape or form. But they portray sometimes the information and they take artistic license, which isn't correct. And then people run with that artistic license and believe it to be true. So when they meet people like me or they meet people that, you know, are within this realm or path, 
they feel like we're looking down on them because we're telling them the truth. And that's not the case. The case is we just want them to be truthful and understand what's going on with what they're doing either is not right or doesn't follow the edicts of the path. So I'm going to add a little bit to that. I think pop culture with the movies that are coming out, the television shows, the Marvel movies, even um, video games, because there's a lot of video games that are based on our our mythology and and religion now too. Um, They're a good gateway. They're they're, they're good to get you interested um, in possibly learning about the religion, but there's more learning that goes along with that. It, it can't just stop at, oh, I saw this in God of War Ragnarok, or I saw this in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, or I saw this in a Marvel movie. And don't confuse the religion with those types of things. You have to go deeper. Right. It's almost like saying you watch Pocahontas, and now you understand the Native American religion. Right. It's It doesn't work that way. It's just pieces of it that are cool that they pulled out to put into the idea of Pocahontas rather than the full religion because it's just too much. Right. So it's always good to have that the people are interested because they see something in the media or they see something on a video game or TV or something like that. Yeah, it really opens a dialogue. Right. And so it makes it so that people are interested, but there's so much more to it. And I think that's where a lot of people sometimes falter is they – don't want to take the time to learn any more than what they've seen on the screen. Right. And that goes back to one of your other questions to ask, like one of the things that we're dealing with today in the modern world is that a lot of people take that information, never search out someone who truly knows what's going on within the path. And then they create their own belief system based on what they believe to be true. And there's nothing wrong with that in America because you can believe in whatever you want to believe in. But then because they believe it to be true, they pass it on to somebody else and pass it on to somebody else. And eventually it becomes so diluted that it's not even real at all. And we're looking at it going, you think what? And it makes us look like we're being mean or rude or nasty to them. And that's not the case. Right. Um, how did you first encounter a Satru? My personal first encounter with a Satru was done purely by accident. Um, my wife and I happened to be in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania one day. And while we were walking down, we saw an ad for a place where a man was coming to talk about a Satru. And I said, oh, I've never heard of that before. Let's go check it out. Well, specifically, he was talking about making mead. Yeah, specifically about mead. brewing mead, right, in a Satru. So we went to check it out because I make be- mead, beer, and wine. So I wanted to go check out what he had to put. You, know, you can always learn something new. So I went to see that, and this was my first encounter with Asatru. I asked a lot of questions. I got a lot of answers, and I kind of put it on the back burner for about a year. And then I revisited it, and I really liked what I was reading. So more and more it opened the door for me, and more and more I learned more and kept learning from good people and things like that. And I learned where we stand and all this other stuff and moved forward with it. And I think fortunately... Fortunately, we were lucky to have an open community that was willing to talk about things. Um, At that point in time, almost 15, 16 years ago, there was nothing out there on the internet 
like there is now. There weren't right. the resources. You had to search them out. You had to look for the books on mythology and the Eddas, and they weren't published as frequently as they are now. And there weren't books as, as prevalent as there are now. And things that you had to look out for were the folkish community, which is a very white uh, white supremacist community. I know we're right. not supposed to say that, but they really are. Um, they're finding resources that fit what you believed in were few and far between. And right. it took a lot of research and a lot of learning at that point in time. Right. And a caveat for that is we believe that everybody has the right to worship the way they wish to in America because America, um, we just don't have to go that way. Right. We are a universalist type of people who believe that it's available for everyone. You have the folkish people, which believe it's only for people of descent of, um, southern europe and northern europe and that then you have the other ones which are the tribalists. tribalists who believe that if you're not part of a kindred you don't have the right to um follow this either so either way everybody has their own way of worshiping but it's for you to decide which one you want to right follow. and i think it's important that that when you start learning this religion you start learning the differences between the different I want to say sex. Right. Because you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have a biker's gang who uses a bunch of our symbols but has nothing to do with the religion whatsoever. Right. Right. You have to be careful of who you're falling in with when right. it comes to, and that's with any religion, you have to be careful of who you're falling in with. Is this the right thing for you? So you want to investigate, you want to ask questions, you mm -hmm. want to learn as much as you can and see where you fit in all of it. Right. Um, your next question is. What experiences have you had with the members of a, the younger generation that are interested in your religion? So I'm going to say this, and I do apologize for any young people out there who feel like it's not them because it's not the overall of everything. But the interactions that I've had with younger people are they are really into it, really into it, really into it, till they find out that it's not what they thought it was. It's not a Marvel comic book. It's not Vikings on TV. It's not dress up with a sword and LARP all day long. That it is learning and actually sacrificing and being part of a religion, per se. And you have to learn stuff and do stuff and things like that. And then they fall out. This is my interaction with the younger generation. Very few of them stick with it because it becomes something that has to do with work. And not that they don't want to do the work, it's just that they don't have the time to do it. I mean, there's time involved in our practices, and they don't want to take that time to do that. They don't want to take the time to look up and read and do all the things that they need to do to come to it. They want a cookie-cutter idea of, oh, I'm just going to dress up like a Viking on weekends, go out, play, and LARP, and have a good time, and then come back home the rest of the week and do whatever I want to do. So that's mainly what I've found with the younger generation. Um, now kids, kids, they learn the stuff, they're into it until they become like a teenager and then they kind of fall by the wayside for a little bit. And then I see them coming back as adults later. I was going to say, we, we've raised our children kind of in this whole thing. Like my older son, mm. not as much as my younger son, but they, they've both been raised with this idea of learning and, and, you know, you have to get to know cultivating cultivate. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my older son kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. Now that he's an adult, he's getting back into it. Um, is in the military is part of a pagan group in the military is 
you know, showing other soldiers and, and his higher ups about his religion, expressing his religion, right. trying to go forward with um, rituals and, and time to do those rituals and really putting himself out there that this is who he is. Right. So that that's the um, foundation I've seen. I mean, if they have a good foundation, they usually come back to it. If they haven't had a good foundation, I don't see them straying back unless there's something that brings them back specifically. Right. Um, how might your religion today differ from how it was practiced in the past, and how is it the same? The answer to that is we don't know. Uh, 100% we don't know. We don't know how the ancestors truly practiced this religion. Everything we do is on conjecture based on books written by either Ibn Fadlan who traveled to see the Norse from um, the Moorish kingdom or from Snorri Snorlson, who rewrote it, who was a Catholic, who rewrote all the books from Iceland. So those are the two things that we have to look at to try to determine how they worshipped and how they did the things they did. But for the most part, we really don't know the exact way they practiced or the exact way they did things to mimic that. So what we typically say is that we are reconstructionists right. as far as the religion goes. We are still finding our way on how things were and how things are and how things are going to be. Um, yeah, there is no book of common prayer for this religion. So there's nothing out there. There's no like book of the dead would show us how to do the things that they did. There's nothing like that. However, right. based on the stories, we know what they did or how they acted within that um, from these people. And we put, piece those pieces together from different people and make a basic idea of what this um, path is. Right. And the last question is, do you believe in all the gods and stories with Nordic pagan tradition? That's a tough one because I don't believe that the world came from a man's head. I mean, we have science today, or a giant's head, pardon me, that was ripped apart and made these different things. Or the cow. Or the cow, right, that, you know, licked the, the salt lick and got a dude's head out of it. And that, that dude fell asleep and his arm had sex with his other arm or his leg had sex with his other leg and made humans. We don't believe that aspect of it. A lot of those are children's stories to explain more complex things that children didn't need to know. Um, as far as the gods themselves, I believe that these are living, breathing, well, I shouldn't say breathing, but living deities in another realm that help us along. My ancestors, I know for a fact, are real. The people who have died in battle, I know for a fact, are real. I can visit them in Arlington, and I can see them in different cemeteries all over the country. My ancestors, I can visit their graves, and I've spoken with some of them before they've passed on. So I believe them to be real. I believe the tenants where they're with me, guiding me, helping me through my days, and I can ask them questions and get the answers that I need because they've been through the things that I've been through. I believe in sacrificing things to them for them to understand that these are the things I need. I believe the gods are there, that the gods are real, and that the gods can do things for us each and every day because I've seen it happen. With that said, the stories are stories, just like anything else, you know? That's like me asking a Catholic, do you truly believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale and spit up days later while being in the whale's stomach for 40 days? Why wasn't he digested? All those questions are there, and ironically, you know, do you believe that the Druze were really held captive by the 
um, Egyptians, even though there's no historical basis for it, those are all stories that help us to understand the piece of religion that we're in and the piece of religion where we fit. So with those are told truths through stories. And I believe ours do the same thing. I think like, let, let me give an anecdote that goes kind of along with this, that you can feel the gods and feel like they're, they're giving you favor. Mm -hmm. So today, as we left our house, um, we found a kitten that had been injured. Right. And we took it to the shelter because they can either take care of the kitten or do what needs take, to be done. Right, put it out of its misery. Now, Freya is the goddess of cats and kittens because she has uh, cats that she loves. Right. So, you know, as I'm holding this kitten and I'm taking it in, I can, I'm sad, I'm heartbroken, but... I can also feel Freya there saying, you're doing the right thing. Right. That cat is part of our world. That cat is part of what we have that we call frith with the world. That frith is something that we hold to honor the world and the world honors us through that frith. So when we see a creature in pain and hurting and agonizing, and we want to bring that animal respite from that, even though that animal doesn't do anything for us and we don't do anything for it other than care for it for the few moments that we're able to and do the things that we can do to bring it the respite that it needs we retain that frith with the world we retain that frith with freya we retain that frith with that cat and that cat when it goes to the next world if it goes to the next world will know that our frith was good with it that we treated it as we were supposed to because we could Right, and this isn't the first cat that's come to us in an odd way. Yes. Uh, a few years ago, we uh, were leaving Walmart, of all places, and this little black kitten comes out of the woods crying and screaming, comes right up to our car. Yep. And, and sits there and, and looks at me meows. Yeah, yeah, and lets a, and it was it was definitely a feral kitten. It was out right. in the middle of like this wooded area, and we took it to somebody. We knew who could take care of it. Right. He's taken care of it for six years now. Yeah, six years. Yep. And now we went to a new home the other day because he's getting too old to take care of it. So that frith we hold, we, we keep that frith with, frith with us. And through that, we say to the world that this is part of us. And the world gives us back for it, whether we right. know it or not. We get it back. And it's always something good, honestly. So that's how our religion works. That's how we... Make it through our days each and every day. Any new questions? No, that was the last question. Okay, I hope these answer the questions for you, and I look forward to you putting them forward. If you have any additional questions, don't hesitate to ask me. And for those of you that are listening from Modern Human Man, I hope these questions have helped you as well. Um, I try to put out these as soon as I can. I like the format of being asked questions and being able to answer them because it's a really good format. It lets me know what people want to know. So you guys can find me on Facebook under the group Modern Heathen Man. I'll always be answering questions there. And you can find me on Facebook regulars, Joseph Murrow. I want to thank you guys for joining me for Modern Heathen Man and tell you all to have a wonderful week. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.